Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. Which is the more desperate team? Both the Cardinals and Chargers have lost three of four, both very much in need of a win. The good news for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray is expected back. Hollywood Brown may be back. Will it be enough, though? It's Cardinals covered to episode 619, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half the 5. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So I trust a good Thanksgiving was held by the Calvisi clan as we welcome everyone to this post-Thanksgiving edition of Cardinals Cover 2. Yeah, there's Black Friday and all that, but this this is where the real deal (laughs) is happening ahead of Week 12. That's right, the dealinest. Here we go. Paulie Pencilneck, Craig Grealou. I tried. I did. I really tried to put on a good 10 pounds. I went down (laughs) swinging, plate after plate. Don't think I really achieved much, but, uh, you know, it was fun trying. really was. Well, we can always look forward to next year. <laughs> Speaking of looking forward, Paul, let's look ahead to the next two days or two days from now and the Cardinals hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. And forget the Chargers for a moment, but just to have K-1 on the football field, expected to start. In fact, the most optimistic I've heard Cliff Kingsbury in a while talk about his quarterback being 100% and that means being full throttle to open up yeah. that hamstring and see how he feels. But Kyler Murray back on the field after two games missing. And you know what? Not a game too soon. As much as I enjoyed watching Colt McCoy, the brutal reality is the backup 36-year-old quarterback is not the future. He's not the franchise quarterback. And especially in the moment behind an offensive line that is left with one starter and right tackle Kelvin Beecham, you need Kyler's legs and escapability more than ever. And you saw that on display against the 49ers. Cardinals got away with it against a less talented Rams team. They did a very good job neutralizing an Aaron Donald the week before by getting rid of the ball in 2.13 seconds or whatever the average was, the second quickest of any quarterback in any game this season, what Colt McCoy did to the Rams. They tried to do against the 49ers. Just wasn't quite as successful. Niners were much more adept at cutting off some of the passing lanes, the short passes, forcing the Cardinals for those chunk throws downfield. And then every time, seemingly, the Cardinals tried to run a, a play where it took a little more time to develop, Colt McCoy was in trouble. And, and you felt bad for him at times. You know, that, that left knee wasn't 100%. He was getting banged up. Obviously doesn't have that sheer athleticism, hardly any quarterbacks do, of a Kyla Murray. So in this circumstance in particular, I, I think it's it's, you know, Cardinals are thankful this Thanksgiving season that they do have Kyler Murray back because I think he truly is going to help this depleted offensive line. Colt McCoy not only dealing with that knee but uh, elbow issue, had his hand stepped on in Mexico City as Uh. well, so he is all kinds of banged up. You wonder, though, if the Cardinals had beaten the 49ers on Monday, what would have happened this week? Would you have ridden the hot hand, or does Kyler say, you know what, tap me in because I'm ready to go? Bottom line is this team needs – it's franchise quarterback on the field. You're four and seven. You've lost three of four. Whether you still mathematically, yes, in the playoff picture or not, you need K1 on that football field because perception is reality. And you need 
Kyler Murray to look like he did the beginning of last year. If the end of this year can be anywhere close to the beginning of last year when he was a legitimate MVP candidate, what happened to that quarterback? What happened to that offense? It's never quite been the same. You realize since they started 10-2, and the Arizona Cardinals have lost 12 out of 17. Let that hang for a minute. This Cardinals team has lost 12 out of 17. They're 5-12 and 12 ever since that 10-2. and two. So what's going on? Can you remedy that? You need to see evidence that this offense can get back in rhythm, especially now with their top two receivers, which you're going to see for the first time all year. How quickly can those two get acclimated playing together at DeAndre Hopkins and, and a Hollywood Brown? But as far as Kyler Murray, you know, I will tell you on the sideline, and I'm sure the TV cameras caught plenty of it, he was front and center. He was right there on the white stripe, right next to Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, the earpiece in, he's listening, he's watching everything, he's involved with all the meetings. So what were some of his big takeaways? I'd love to know. I'd love to get Kyler in the trust tree. What did you see that you can do better in your game? What did you see in Colt McCoy? You know, we've talked about how decisive Colt was, how Colt said after the 49ers game, they didn't do one thing that that confused me. I knew exactly where to go with the ball at all times. Ball wasn't always on the money, didn't always have time to complete the pass, but he knew what he was seeing no matter what the Niners and D'Amico Ryans tried to dial up against Colt McCoy. Now, if you can get Kyler Murray to that same point where he can get that football acumen and football IQ that a Colt McCoy has at age 36, how quickly can Kyler try and assimilate some of that combined with his skill set? That's where he would truly be lethal. But too often this year, we've seen Kylo leave guys wide open and not find certain receivers or not hit guys in rhythm. Just the accuracy at times has been missing. Craig, we've talked about that. Yards after catch has been missing with a lot of receivers because they're not catching it in stride. A guy who rated in the top one, two, or three of every single analytic for deep ball accuracy, that obviously has been missing this year. Cardinals just had their first 40-plus yard reception. It was a catch and run, 47 yards by Greg Dortch. So can Kyler recapture the downfield passing attack, especially now with his top two receivers? These are all big questions that are hanging out there that you need answers to by the end of this season. And I think that's why it's important for Kyler to be on the field, whether there was something on the line or not. You have six games left to figure out what is wrong with this offense. And, yeah, I know each season is a new season, but you know Kyler's coming back. Hollywood is coming back. D-Hop is coming back. So your main three offensive weapons, get them on the same page here with those last six games and then move into the offseason and into 2023. Now, we have not seen, and you brought it up, we have not seen D-Hop and Hollywood on the field at the same time. Paul, it is late November. It is week 12. And these two that this offense was going to revolve around in week seven when D-Hop was going to be able to come back, Brown gets hurt, though, the week prior. So here we are in Week 12, finally to see what Cliff Kingsbury can dial up with top, with legit number one wide receivers on either side of the field. I mean, we can easily and logically just go back to what Hollywood Brown said the day after he was traded to the Cardinals on draft night 2022. He was sitting in this very studio in the Big Red Rage, and we interviewed him. And he said, and I quote loosely, I've always been the primary focus of defensive secondaries, of coverage plans. When I was with the Ravens, I was always the number one option. I'll no longer be the number one option here, at least not wide receiver one. So what does that do for me? 
when I have to worry about an extra defender over the top, most likely, when I'm not getting double coverage or that bracket look, what does that do for me? And, I mean, his eyes lit up. And when I asked him two weeks ago, thinking he might be able to play against the Rams, you know, he said the same thing, that he's as curious as anyone, Hollywood Brown, what DeAndre Hopkins does for him. And so we'll see. Can these... Can these defensive secondaries get away with some of the soft-shell coverages that they've played against the Cardinals? Obviously, the first thing is to run the ball, so they have to bring another safety up into the box. And then when they do, boom, can you hit them down the field for some of those chunk plays? That's when I think you'll know that DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown are really clicking when you're getting some of those chunk throws, when maybe it's opening up the run game a little bit. That's where maybe, just maybe, you can use the two words, complimentary football, for the Cardinals offense this year. That might also be a first. And do we see D-Hop on the left and Hollywood on the right? Do we see them lined up next to one another? Hollywood has done very well in Hopkins' absence over those first six games, but since D-Hop has returned, Paul, he's leading the league in receptions. He's second in receiving yards. He's on pace to have 1,000 receiving yards after missing the first six weeks of the regular season. I'm very curious on how now they deploy these two wide receivers because, to your point, you want to double D-hop, that's fine. Now Hollywood's got one-on-one coverage with no one over the top. Or do you suck them in close to the line of scrimmage and maybe James Conner gets going this week? I mean, think about it. If you extrapolate the production D-hop has had so far in his abbreviated season over a 17-game season, it would make for 153 catches in a 17-game season. Hello! The NFL record is 149 by Michael Thomas of the Saints. So that's how productive D-Hop has been since he returned. I talked to him a little bit about that. He was not aware of some of those metrics and those uh, those extrapolated stats if you look at them for a whole game, but for a whole season. But here's the thing, and, and you brought up a really good point. How do they use D-Hop now that Hollywood Brown is back? And my firm expectation is Hollywood Brown is going to remain the outside X receiver and that D-Hop will be inside far more. This is what they had drawn up from the get-go when they traded for Hollywood Brown. They wanted that speedster on the outside. And then they were going to be able to to use D-Hop in a more varied role. You heard Cliff Kingsbury say at different times this season that was one of their big takeaways from self-scouting in the offseason. They were a little too predictable with D-Hop. Maybe he you know, he needed to be in different places at different times, not unlike what Sean McVay does with Cooper Cup. How can Cooper Cup stay so productive all of last year? Well, because they he would be in literally seven different starting positions over the course of a game. They did that against the Cardinals once. I still remember that. So now you try and incorporate some of that into D Hop's game. And I think this is just my own my own theory, is that when you saw Hollywood Brown go down week six against the Seahawks on that chunk throw attempt against Tariq Woolen that went bad and he ended up landing awkwardly on his foot and it knocked him out. I think the Cardinals said, oh my goodness, that's the one injury we can't afford to have at this point because DeAndre Hopkins is coming back next week and we had it all drawn up for D-Hop to be more of an inside receiver and D-Hop was going to, and Hollywood Brown was going to be outside receiver. Quick, somebody trade for Robbie Anderson. And then they went and got Robbie Anderson, they brought him in and he's been very slow to acclimate and make an impact on this team. But the thought on paper, at least the way they drew it up, was to bring in Robbie Anderson and stick him as a speed outside guy, much like what Hollywood Brown is now going to assume as his role effective immediately. Should be a lot of fun to watch, but also pay attention to this, Bird Gang, because Rondell Moore is not available this week. He's out with a groin injury. Greg Dortch, who had 
Great opportunity last week against the 49ers in Mexico City playing Rondell Moore's role is questionable with a thumb issue. According to Cliff, it's going to be more of a pain tolerance. So, yeah, you have your top two pass catchers, but who are your next two pass catchers? Yes, you have A.J. Green. You brought up Robbie Anderson. He's been, to me, non-existent. I mean, I didn't even notice him on the football field against the 49ers. And, Paul, he played more than 30 snaps. He did? I did not know that. He played more than 30 snaps against the 49ers. Yes. Stunning, right? Wow. Because I never even noticed him on the football oh, field. Oh, boy. Yeah, I didn't. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, process that and, and go forward. Well, look, I don't know about you, but when I walked in the locker room this week and I saw Pharaoh Cooper, <laughs> like, okay, did I have too much cranberry sauce? What's going on here? I, I didn't quite see the signing of a Pharaoh Cooper, and then I looked at it. It had been officially announced. I had missed it. And so I'm like, wow, all right. But look, I'm just Rondell Moore isn't going. I don't know about Greg Dortch. He was in some serious pain at the end of the 49ers game. So the fact they brought in Farrell Cooper, you draw your own conclusion. So look, I, this is my expectation. It's going to be the D Hop and Hollywood show with some Trey McBride worked in. You know, maybe you see Trey McBride. You see a lot of 12 personnel because you're going to see two tight ends and two receivers and James Conner. And then if you can get that running game going, you know, we talked about that this week, just how horrendous the Chargers are against the run. I mean, the yards per carry that they're giving up, 5.46 this year. If it holds for the rest of the season, it would be the highest ever allowed yards per carry over a full season since the merger. The previous worst was by the 2013 Bears. So it's been historically bad, the Chargers' run defense. And they're even more banked up this week. My understanding is their interior D-line is made up of even more backups than ever. So Cardinals should have some success. It should be a point of emphasis to get James Conner established early. And to me, this really is the key on Sunday. As much as we're excited about D-Hop and Hollywood, for me, Paul, it's that ground game for the Cardinals on Sunday. If they're going to come away with win number five, they're going to have to run the football, run it effectively, and get over 100 rushing yards. This Chargers defense has allowed more than 150 yards on the ground in each of the last four weeks. Each of the last four weeks. Not total, each of the last four weeks. And when you look at the Cardinals, James Conner, yes, he's been banged up. He's only played eight games this season. Did not quite look like himself against the 49ers, running between the tackles, bounced it outside more often. But he has not reached 70 rushing yards yet this season. The only time the Cardinals have hit 100 rushing yards in a game without the benefit of Kyler Murray accounting for a lot of those yards was Week 7 against the Saints. Eno Benjamin had 92 rushing yards. If you get that running game going, yes, the run sets up the pass. Then we can have some fun with D-Hop and Hollywood. Well, think about it. James Conner hasn't reached 70 yards rushing this season. He has been banged up at times, but the Chargers' defense has allowed 70-plus yards rushing to eight different running backs this year. So it's a get-right game if you're James Conner, at least on paper. We'll see how this plays out and where the emphasis is. And then, of course, you got to bring up the fact that, guess what? The Cardinals' run game coordinator is no longer employed by the Arizona Cardinals in Sean Coogler. Sean Coogler terminated to start this week. In fact, terminated Monday morning before the Monday night football game. And for anyone who saw hard knocks this week, there was a poignant moment, maybe the moment of the episode at the very end of this week's show on HBO, where Cliff Kingsbury in a team meeting 
had a very stern warning for everyone where he said, and I quote, make sure moving forward nobody has to stand in front of the media and answer any questions about any dumb stuff off the field, one, and two, effort on the field. Everybody got me? And then, boom, the clip ended, and it sort of hung in the air. And that last comment was in response to something that Buda Baker had said to Cam Cox over at Channel 12, and the question was, do you think everybody played hard to the fish finish? And Buda's answer was, no, I do not. And then he sort of caught himself and didn't really elaborate from there going forward, but he didn't need to. The message was sent. And I'll tell you this much, Craig, I'll share this with everyone here on Cover 2. I'm the first media member into the locker room. I'm doing the post-game radio interviews. And Buddha was animated. He, he was demonstrative. Before the rest of the media was let in, he was going around the locker room. He was talking to different groups of players, saying this and saying that. I couldn't hear what he was saying, but he was, he was adamant. He had a message. So I, you can draw your own conclusion. That's what I'm doing. Based on that comment, what he told uh, the media, that I, I think he went around and reminded everyone, we got six games to go. Everyone's very highly paid. Uh, yeah, it's a long shot to make the playoffs. Doesn't mean that you're not going to bring full effort. When Buda Baker, arguably the best player on the team, pound for pound, is able to do what he's doing, be the leading tackler, still dealing with a high ankle sprain? Are you kidding me? And by the way, by my count, it's four straight games where a DB has been the leading tackler. That's not the way Vance Joseph no. draws it up. And I'd love to get Vance Joseph you know, in the trust tree and just ask him, you know, um, do you consider that problematic? When your leading tackler, four straight games, has been either Buda Baker, Antonio Hamilton, Jalen Thompson. It's been a DB at least four straight games, maybe more. It is four. I'm just looking at it. Zayvon Collins led the team in tackles against the Saints. But you're right. Okay. It's been Buda Baker twice, three times, and Antonio Hamilton against the Rams. There you go. And so, you know, safeties and corners are supposed to be the last line of defense. Yeah, Buda plays in the box a lot. Yeah, they'll run blitz him quite a bit. Sure, he's you know a heat-seeking missile. We get it. Buda Baker's elite, and he has way more tackles than any safety in the game over the last four years. I get it. And by the way, you're going to see Derwin James this week. There's going to be some elite safety play in this game. There's no doubt about it. But I would think if the Cardinals' defense is firing the way it's supposed to, Zayman Collins should be the leading tackler every game. Isaiah Simmons should be the leading tackler every game. Those are the two guys that ideally when you draw it up, you want to have the bulk of those tackles. Buda Baker doesn't have the biggest name in that locker room, Paul, but I would wager that he has the loudest voice. He is the face of that defense, maybe even the face of the team. Yes, the quarterback, Kyler Murray, but as far as tenure, and longevity and what he has meant playing on a high ankle sprain. Doesn't even have an injury designation the past two weeks. He was supposed to miss two to three weeks, didn't even miss one week, and he's out there giving 100% that he has. You brought up hard knocks. The interception that he had the week before against the Rams, the celebration, he's limping towards (laughs) the far end zone to celebrate with his teammates, and at that point you're guys. He's got a bad ankle. Let's slow it down a little bit. But in the moment, yeah, the adrenaline kicks in and you're able to do things that maybe you thought you could not do. But I'm interested to see how this team responds. Called out by one of the bigger names in that locker room. Now, Antonio Hamilton on hard knocks this past week. You heard him. He was mic'd up because we're all pointing to that one play, that second George Tittle touchdown in which it was called out on national television by Troy Aikman on Monday Night Football. Yet, Hamilton mic'd up, admitted, I thought he stepped out of bounds, but did own up 
to not finishing the play. And that, I think, was the main message from Buda Baker. Finish every play, even late in games, no matter what the scoreboard says. And look, Buda Baker, he's probably not going to say this, and maybe this wasn't his intent, but I'm just going to surmise that he's trying to get ahead of the curve now that you're four and seven and the playoffs are a long shot. You saw it in 2018. Two words, self-preservation. And it's like contagion, okay? When one guy decides not to tackle and then the, someone else looks at him and says, well, if he's not tackling, man, he makes a lot more money than I do. Why should I tackle? And so then all of a sudden, you got a bunch of guys going through the motions when it comes to playing the games and playing out the string. So I think he tried to get ahead of that, and rightfully so. I will say to your point about when he had the interception against the Rams, the whole sideline was screaming, get down, get down, save yourself, speaking of self-preservation. So, yeah, I, I would agree. In terms of just utter respect, player to player and players no players, Buda Baker would be number one in that power pole in that locker room. It was three weeks ago, Isaiah Simmons in the postgame radio interview, I asked him about his big pick six, and, uh, and, he, and he said, you know, Buda Baker doesn't know this, but I watch everything he does. Because I had asked Isaiah Simmons, you know, you've been with the safeties in most of this season as a position group, and your, your position coach is Marcus Robertson, who works with the safeties, not the linebackers. And so, and, and he said just how much he's learned from a Buda Baker. So hopefully, if nothing else, hard knocks, if they achieve one thing, is maybe to give the rest of the country an awareness, the wherewithal to realize just what sort of player that Buda Baker really is uh, on this team. Sort of like, I'll be honest with you, Larry Fitzgerald, no one had any re- realization of just how good and instrumental Larry was until the Super Bowl run. Yep. And then the nation got <laughs> exposed to Larry Legend, and that's when they realized, okay, yeah, Cardinals do have one of the elite all-timers. You get in that national stage some national exposure and more people recognize just how hard Buda Baker plays and how well He plays a perennial all-pro, Pro Pro Bowl-type safety who, again, does not want to miss any games. All right, so what is this defense going up against this week here? As we continue on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We talked about the desperation of the Cardinals. Chargers desperate as well, 5-5, and but it is an offense right now that is kind of middle of the road as far as scoring, 23 points per game. Not great running the football. Justin Herbert's going to throw it. He's going to sling it. And that includes to the running back, Austin Eckler, who's among the league leaders in total touchdowns. And in listening to Vance Joseph earlier this week, it was Eckler that he pointed to as far as the main offensive weapon. That's because Keenan Allen has been out. Mike Williams has been out. Williams not available this week. Allen returned last week. But it is Austin Eckler that should be the focal point for Buda Baker and the rest of that defense. I mean, a former undrafted guy, Vance Joseph called him self-made. It's a good moniker to put on Austin Eckler. 11 scrimmage touchdowns this year. That's tied for second in the NFL. Since the beginning of last year, he has 31 touchdowns. That's number one in the NFL, Austin Eckler. And, and you know what? To follow up on the point we just made, how you better bring it, you better finish, and effort better be there. Yeah, especially against Austin Eckler, because he will make you look bad. He will run right through you. I've talked to several guys in that locker room this week, and they're like, the desperation Austin Eckler plays with, no matter what the situation, is akin to a Buda Baker. That, that's, how, that's how hard he plays. So, And he leads the NFL with 527 yards after catch. So whereas the tackling was lacking against the 49ers in a big way, 
guess what? It could get even worse. I mean, this is a Debo Samuel of running backs. This is the George Kittle of running backs, this Austin Eckler. Now, here's the thing. With, with Justin Herbert, and he has the elite arm talent, and he has all the traits and measurables you'd want in a quarterback. Six foot six, can make every single throw. Unlike Jimmy G, he will hold on to that football. He will hold on to the ball for a long time. He's sort of got some big bend in him. I'm going to hang, and this pocket's going to collapse around me, and I'm going to get the ball away. Or maybe even a better comp would be Carson Palmer. I've had a number of guys tell me in the locker room that he kind of reminds them of Carson Palmer. You know how Carson would hang in the pocket to the very last second. He'd take a shot. A couple of times the Cardinals had Carson Palmer mic'd up. How many times he was wheezing on the ground because he would hang, 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 take the hit, and then still complete the throw. That's Justin Herbert. He really hasn't been sacked that much. He's been hit a lot. Uh, But he does get the throw away. And I know he'll throw it to you as well, right? He does have the propensity for the interception. Five straight games in which he's thrown an interception, and his numbers look great. Second in completions, fifth in passing yards, but his passer rating is a career low, 90.7. And he's on a run here, Paul, and it might be because the Chargers aren't winning, but he has thrown for fewer than 300 yards in six straight games, Mm. fewer than three passing touchdowns in eight straight games both longest streaks in his career. So the overall numbers look good, but it's just not good enough for the Chargers right now. And you talked about him, doesn't get sacked a lot, but where this Chargers team has really suffered is in those losses. 13 of the 17 sacks have come in those five losses. Wow. So if you're able to get some pressure on Justin Herbert, then I like the Cardinals' chances. And look, he's he's had a situation not unlike the Cardinals where – trying to get their two big guns on the field at the same time has been virtually impossible. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Going into this game, there have been 673 offensive snaps for the Chargers, and those two guys have been together for 46 of the snaps. Infinitesimal percentage right there, and now Mike Williams is out for this one again, and Keenan Allen has already missed seven of their 10 games this year and played fewer than 50% of the snaps in two of the games he did play in. So you kind of feel for Justin Herbert not having – any of his weapons virtually for a good part of this season. I know two games ago against the 49ers because we were getting ready for Cardinals and Niners, and we were looking back at some of that game, and he went into the game without both of his starting tackles and his two best receivers and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. So the degree of difficulty has been high for Justin Herbert this year. There's no doubt about it. Uh, What can they do against this Cardinals defense? You know, look, they're still in it. They're 5-5. and Only two of their last seven games are against teams with winning records. You know, but the thing is, they have the second lowest strength of victory so far. That their five wins are against teams with a combined record of 15, 35, and 1. Ouch. On the other hand, they're only one game out of the wild card in the AFC. So you better match their urgency and desperation because they are much more in the playoff picture in the AFC than the Cardinals are right now at 4-7. and seven. And without Allen or without Williams and a banged-up Allen, that's why Austin Eckler has become the focal point. Pay attention, though, to Joshua Palmer. He's really kind of been that wide receiver who's taking advantage of the increased reps with Allen and Williams being on the sideline. But for me, it all comes down to that Cardinals defense. Can you get a takeaway or two? No Byron Murphy again this week, so Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, Trayvon Mullen, your top three corners now. What does that mean for Jalen Thompson and Abuda Baker to perhaps maybe get a hand on a football or two? And then that defensive line. Don't let Austin Eckler, I know they don't run the ball well, 
but don't let him get to that third level. If you're a J.J. Watt, a Zach Allen, Lucky Foe too, whatever the rotation on that defensive line, don't let that running back get to the second and third level, which we did see. You talk about responses. How does that D-line respond after what the 49ers were able to do in that second half in Mexico City? Yeah, you know what? That really shouldn't have been a surprise. I know maybe it kind of looked like it, the Cardinals defensively, when the Niners opened that second half, when the eight play touchdown drive went right down the field, seven of them were runs. They did the exact same thing the week before against the Chargers. They featured Elijah Mitchell in a power run game in the second half, and they and they had a comeback win, and they ended up salting it away. So, okay. And to me here, when I watch from the sideline, you know, the Cardinals' defensive front is 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 usually stout with J.J. Watt and Zach Allen, 99 and 94. I think the big question, the big challenge is when you're bringing those defensive linemen in in waves and you're getting, you know, because you, you're not playing them every single down, what's the drop-off? Once 99 and 94 are off the field, what is the drop-off? How fat is the offense getting against your backup defensive lineman? We've seen turnover. Michael Dog be released again. He's been up. He's been down. He's been in. He's been out. So there have been different guys. Tristan Hill they acquired from the Cowboys. and So they've tried different answers to plug up that interior D-line. And, uh, you know, that's where depth has been an issue at times for the Cardinals. And it really was an issue in the elevation. The busiest guy on the sideline was the guy with the oxygen tank. He was running around all game long. And so, thank goodness they're back at home, sea level, or pretty much. And they're not going to have to worry about your lungs nearly as much as you did in Mexico City, if you're a big guy. Did you sneak a little of that oxygen <laughs> on wish. Monday night? I did not ask no. following that game, or even when I saw you again on Tuesday, only hours after you landed from Mexico City, but no, no sneak of the oxygen at all in a, in a break halftime when the players you are know, on the uh, on the locker room away from sight. I was too busy initially looking for an umbrella. Yeah, I was no, curious don't, don't. on how the rain yeah. happened just the moment yeah. right before, right as kickoff happened. Sorry, Danny Sarek, no umbrellas on the sidelines, <laughs> so that that really was a joke. But yeah, we were scrambling for rain ponchos. My goodness, literally, I'm doing the pregame hit 30 seconds before kickoff, and it starts pouring. We're like, wait a minute, this wasn't in the forecast. What's going on here? I'm getting totally hosed by this. Uh, so no, but the uh, it was real. I mean, you know, Antonio Hamilton told us in the Big Red Rage, it's extremely real, the altitude. I don't think it was a game-deciding factor. I don't think so either. And I'm still not buying the 49ers. Every single knowledgeable expert when it comes to altitude training says it takes at least 10 days and probably closer to two yep. weeks of training in altitude for your body to see any discernible benefit. So the I know there was some post-game quote, the Niners spent the money to go to Colorado Springs from one of the Niners players. No, that was not the difference in the game. In fact, if you really want to be honest, you can't tell me a lot of those Niners players are, what are we doing out here in 20 degrees in Colorado Springs? Snow we, flurries. We could be back in Santa Clara where it's pretty much the same temperatures as Arizona. So, um, you know, to me, that was not a deciding factor in the game whatsoever. No, the better team won that game. Yes. More talented team. Yes. A deeper team won that game on Monday. But this Chargers team is not more talented. It's not deeper. I do like the Cardinals' chances, though it is a home game. And dare I say, Paul, this team has not fared well at home. Just 1-5 yeah. at State Farm Stadium. Only the Houston Texans have a worst home record, and oh, they have not man. won a single game at oh. home. They are 0 4 and one on their home field. 
The second time I've done this this week. Here we go. Ready? This is the microphone bashing myself in the forehead. Yeah, that, I mean, that's when you hear that you're one in five at home, and that includes the Mexico City game. It's unacceptable on every level. You, I don't care if you're a four-win team on the season. you got to be better at home. What is wrong? And this has been going on for nearly two years. There needs to be a deep dive. You talk about self-scout. They need to figure out what's going on at home, or more adroitly, what's not happening at home. What in it? They need to break tendencies, change the routine, whatever it is, because there that is inexcusable to have that sort of record at home, especially when you have, you know, here's the other thing, like, you know, you have the turf, you should be so grateful to play at home on one of the best playing surfaces in the NFL. Indoors. Yeah. I mean, climate controlled, you know, we saw some of those injuries at the Rams game Cardinals won, but like the Zach Ertz, you know, nobody's saying it, but I will, that, 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 that turf, not very forgiving, even though it's a $6 billion stadium. I'm not sure that Zach Ertz injury happens at home. Uh, you know, so a natural playing surface. Even Colt McCoy, you know, and he went down and left that game and had to come back, back in. But so, yeah, I don't know. I, it's maybe arguably, and this is saying a lot, the biggest mystery of this team right now, honestly, is what is not clicking and firing at home. Got three chances left at home, including this Sunday. And this might be the, I wouldn't say the best opportunity, but maybe the most important home game because it comes right before the bye week. And, Paul, that bye week can either be enjoyable or it can be miserable. And I'm hoping that it is enjoyable because a win doesn't cure everything, but it does make that extra week off feel a whole heck of a lot better. And the bye week looming can either be shall we say, inspiring, or it can be distracting. There have been teams who have already checked out. There have been teams who have already been mentally on their bye week before the game kicks off. You hope that a loss on Monday night in a short week and some of the other off-field drama and some of the stern warnings from the head coach will lock this team in and the focus will be there. We'll see. Uh, but, yes, you, you do have a bye week straight ahead. Yes, it's very late in the season. Yes, this team needs it more than ever. 76 different players have played for the Arizona Cardinals this year, the most of any team in the NFL. We all get it. But you know what? Uh, that that bye week uh, won't be nearly as enjoyable and will seem too long for too many of the wrong reasons if you do lose this game. And if you pick up where you left off in the second half against the 49ers and that's the way you come out against the Chargers, you'll get rolled again because the Chargers have very close losses the last two weeks to the Chiefs and the 49ers and arguably should have had both those teams beat. So even even depleted themselves and a lot of injuries, uh, Brandon Staley has found a way to keep his Chargers motivated and locked in and they come to play. What is the response? How motivated is this team? We will see on Sunday. And I guarantee you this one thing. I guarantee neither Paul Calvisi nor Craig Riolu have checked out. We are not looking <laughs> ahead to the bye week. There is still much work to be done. Yeah. Uh, at least not yet. We'll see. We'll see. You know, don't give <laughs> Check us. Check back at halftime. No, don't give us reason to. That, that's the point. And you know what? The crowd wants to get into the game. Give them reason to be a factor. Give them a reason to become the home field advantage. Come out. Give them some inspired play, some production right from the get-go, instead of lulling them to sleep. You know, I, that's where you know, I think it feeds on itself. And so 
you know, if we tr- as we try and diagnose and discern what exactly is going on with the home losing streak, slow starts at home sort of nullify the home yep. field advantage because the crowd never uh, just sit there and they're restless and or you get booed off the field at halftime. So if you can somehow get the fans to get into it from the get-go, I think that would go a long way because I'll tell you this much, especially in that first half in Mexico City, it was like a soccer crowd. I mean, they were just constantly making noise, and it was energizing. It really did have a playoff atmosphere until the game got out of hand, and that was just based on the crowd and the energy they were bringing. Don't fall behind. Give the crowd, to your point, Paul, something to cheer for and stay on their feet the entire game. Again, kickoff coming up at 2.05 on Sunday, 9.30. Pre-game coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohundro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Rayolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.